the assassin. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. What up, y'all? You're listening to Sports Talk with Trop, and I'm your host, Katie Trop. Uh, well, we had uh, some excellent games over the weekend. A couple of blowouts, of course, but uh, two of uh, the, the night games on Saturday and Sunday, boom. Those were what you call good-ass playoff football. So let's start it off with uh, the first game we had of the weekend in the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, on Saturday, it started with the uh, Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, it started out as a close game. It kind of looked like that the uh, Ravens needed to shake off the rust from missing the past two weeks of football. You know, they had the bye week because they were the number one seed. And then they they also sat pretty much all their starters in the uh, last week of football because they didn't have anything to play for. So it looked like they needed to shake the rust off a little bit. But then second half, they came right out and uh, they just dominated from, from there. I mean, Houston was really actually lucky to get 10 points in the game because uh, they really only got the set the, the, the touchdown from a punt return. Other than that, for the most part, the Baltimore Ravens defense held C.J. Stroud in check. They really didn't let him um, get hot for the most part. He had a couple of big plays, but other than that, pretty much every single Houston Texans drive got stalled, and the Ravens would just get the ball back. And they would uh, just continue to sc- to continue to score. Lamar Jackson, of course, had a phenomenal game. Uh, 16 for 22, 152 yards and two touchdowns through the air. And then on the ground, he had 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns rushing. So he had a total of four touchdowns on the day. And he actually becomes the first uh, football player ever in the history of the league to pass for over 100 yards <clears throat> and rush for over 100 yards in a playoff game. So um, he he showed out and did what he was supposed to do. Um <clears throat> His receivers made some big plays, uh, but it was really just all about him. And then that defense, that defense just is stout. They did what they needed to do. They had uh, C.J. Stroud just running for his life. And uh, Baltimore ended up getting the win 31-10, to and they have officially moved on to the AFC Championship game. Then Saturday night, we had the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers, and uh, the Green Bay Packers just shit the bed on this one. They dominated the Niners pretty much the entire game up until about uh, midway through the fourth quarter. That was, uh, they, they kept getting a couple of, st- they, they stalled their last couple of drives, and then they missed a field goal, and it was pretty much on from there. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, the Niners just did not look good at all. Brock Purdy had a very mediocre game. He was able to put it together on the last game-winning drive for the 49ers, but other than that, it was just a terrible game from him. As a matter of fact, he he's lucky he didn't have about two or three interceptions in that game because uh, the Packers just dropped straight-up um, uh, balls right in their hands or that would hit them in the chest. Uh, one was even uh, a pick six had the guy held on to it. So there, it just was not a really good game. And then, of course, Debo Samuel, he was injured, so they didn't really have him on offense. George Kittle did show out. And then, of course, uh, their, their driving force was uh, Christian McCaffrey. He had 98 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So he did have a solid day. He did end up scoring the game-winning touchdown. But for the most part, 
he was pretty much the only guy who stepped up. The uh, the San Francisco defense, they made some big plays in the end when they needed to, and they did get uh, a couple of interceptions, which were pretty much the game-changing plays. That, and then there was a, an earlier, I believe it was in the first quarter, the second quarter, <clears throat> The Packers had the ball. It was a fourth and one in the red zone, and they ended up going for it on fourth and one, and uh, the Niners' defense just stopped them. So they did make the big plays when they needed to, and that's why the 49ers got the win, 24-21. to Like I said, the Packers dominated this game. I mean, the time of possession was just all in Packers' favor. Uh, they Aaron Jones could not be stopped. He, he popped off for a 50-plus yard run. And it looked like it was going to be all gravy. But like I said, the Niners defense held it down when they needed to. And their offense made the plays when they needed to. And that is why they are moving on. And that is why the Packers are going back home. Then on Sunday, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Detroit Lions. And uh, the Lions did exactly what I pretty much expected them to do. They dominated. Now, they didn't dominate in um, the way we expected. Usually on offense, they get their ground attack going, and then you just kind of let Jared Goff do his thing. Well, they went all through Jared Goff in this one because the ground attack just kept getting stalled all the way through. Uh, Jared Goff went 30 for 43, 287 yards, and two touchdowns on the day. Their defense made some huge, huge plays as well. Uh, They pretty much... uh, Made Mike Evans, you know, he made some big plays when he needed to, but Mike Evans dropped some passes, and they kind of made him irrelevant at certain points in the game. And then, of course, they really just dominated that offensive line. Uh, there were some, there were a couple of points where Baker Mayfield had absolutely zero time and was just immediately sacked right off the bat. Nobody was even blocking a couple of these dudes on a couple of the sacks. So it was just straight-up domination by Detroit, 31-23. to uh, Tampa Bay, I mean, it's not really surprising that they lost, but it actually is surprising they made it that far. And they did make it a game all the way till the end. It was just too little, too late for them. And Detroit really just never lost a step at all in this game. It, it, it kind of felt like there was a couple of turning points where it might, might shift a bit, but Tampa was just never able to take it over. And Detroit moves on to their first NFC Championship game since 1991. And then last night's game uh, between the Buff- uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. <clears throat> Kansas City, you know, this is why they're the, the defending champs, even though for the most part this season, they were pretty inept at things that they're, us- they're usually good at doing. <coughs> but um, they stepped it up when they needed to in this past game. And, uh, you know, their uh, their usual theme this season <clears throat> has been to uh, drop balls. <coughs> well, that didn't happen in this game. As a matter of fact, in- including Marquez Valdez-Scandling, who has had some huge, huge drops this season, he stepped it up. Kelsey made some big plays. And then uh, Mahomes just did what Mahomes do. And um, even though he didn't really need to have the biggest game of his career, He still made some big plays, and the Buffalo defense is what really let them down in this one. Mahomes went 17 for 23, 215 yards and two touchdowns, and then he got some help on the ground with Isaiah Pacheco, who had 97 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And, uh, you know, Buffalo, it was a back-and-forth game. I mean, we it was basically they were trading touchdown for touchdown, points for points, just going back and forth. And uh, then all of a sudden... Buffalo defense, as the game kept going on, uh, they just weren't able to contain Mahomes. And also the Chiefs player, uh, offensive players were just making big plays. And then the Chiefs defense stepped it up and made the big plays that they needed to make. 
And uh, they made the last couple of drives for the Bills really difficult. And they weren't able to catch up in the end. And uh, they uh, they were able to try and try and tie it up. Kicked the field goal, and it was wide right, right off the bat. You could see it. And uh, Kansas City Chiefs walk off with the win, twenty-seven to twenty-four. It was a crazy game. Uh, you can't you can't blame Josh Allen for this one. The guy had a great game. Uh, it was just a couple of uh, drop passes on offense. There were two specific plays. Two specific plays I could think of. One was Stephon Diggs, and another one was another receiver whose name I can't remember, but both of them had the balls right in their hands on some really big plays and just dropped them. And uh, and then just towards the end, they really didn't let uh, Josh Allen open it up in the uh, on the last drive. It was really just kind of a weird drive. And even when they kicked the, uh, the field goal, I was like, you're kind of far, and it's pretty windy. And I just kind of feel like you need to go for the win against this Kansas City Chiefs team because just the, the way they were playing, their offense could not be stopped, which is the first time we've said that all season with this offense. But that's why they're the defending champs and uh, why they are moving on to the AFC Championship for, in Patrick Mahomes' six years of his career, he has gone to six AFC Championship games. So uh, that says a lot about him. And uh, he, he and Kelsey have officially passed uh, Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski as the uh, the highest scoring duo. They have the most touchdowns uh, from a quarterback to receiver in the playoff era. So they they really went off, and uh, I really hope uh, the Baltimore Ravens don't overlook them. Now, the Ravens definitely have a defense that can lock it down, but you know the way the Chiefs have played these last two playoff games, they are playing, playing playoff football, and they do know how to win this time of year, as they did yesterday but the Bills like I said can't blame it on Josh Allen I wouldn't blame it on him it's just the defense really did let them down they did have a a lot of injuries coming into the game they only dressed four linebackers in this game so they were were really decimated in certain areas of their their defense which was not a good time to have uh going up against Mahomes in the playoffs it just home field didn't matter at that point and the uh, Buffalo Bills go home and Kansas City Chiefs move on and uh, in other NFL news, we had us another uh, head coaching hire. Las Vegas Raiders have officially uh, taken off the interim tag on Antonio Pierce and have officially named him as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, which I think is a fantastic move. I've been uh, saying I could tell he's got the locker room. I could tell the players really back him. That says a lot. If these guys are ready to uh, go to war for you, you got to sign that dude. And uh, it was clear and obvious that this team loved Antonio Pierce and what he's all about. So it's going to be great to see uh, what he has to offer um, as a head coach in this league because uh, he was he was a hell of a linebacker. And I know that because he played for the New York Giants. So uh, I got to see him play my Cowboys twice a year. And he never he was always a badass motherfucker. All right. So let's uh, move on to the uh, top 10 NBA power rankings for this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about a couple of new teams at the bottom here, but for the most part, it's just a shuffle, little shuffling of the uh, usual five, six, seven teams here at the top. And uh, once again, uh, the number one, uh, number one this week, the Boston Celtics have reclaimed their uh, top spot. Overall record of 33 and 10 on the season, they are seven and three in their last 10 games. They did suffer their first home loss of the week to the to the Denver Nuggets, but I mean, just overall. Um, there's uh, th- this team is just solid. They're ready to make a 
they're just ready to continue their domination this this regular season. And then, of course, we'll see where it ends up in the playoffs. But uh, they really haven't lost a step. They look, look really good. Uh, the, the games that they've lost haven't been terrible, except for the one against the Bucks a couple weeks ago. But, uh, you know, th- this one against De- Denver, it was uh, it, it, it came down to the wire. But it was their first loss in 20 games. So I, a home loss in 20 games. So I think they'll, I think they'll be all right. Then at number two on my top 10 NBA power rankings, the Philadelphia 76ers, overall record of 28 and 13. They are currently on a five-game winning streak in six and four in their last 10 games. And that is because Joel Embiid is back, and he is back strong from his injury. Uh, he he had a huge game against the Denver Nuggets in which he basically outdueled out Nikola Jokic, and uh, he just dominated. And really, this team has been dominating every time he's healthy, every game that he's in, and it's no shock, no surprise that uh, they had a little slump while he was out, and now they are back in business with him back in. Then at number three on my top 10 NBA power rankings, the Denver Nuggets. Overall record of 30-14. and 14. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Uh, they just had an up-and-down week. They lost to Philly, and they beat Boston, so it's not like uh, there's really anything bad to say about them. As a matter of fact, the Denver Nuggets are just clicking on all cylinders. They look like the defending, they look like the defending champions, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they go and uh, make another run for the championship with the way they're playing right now. Then at number four on my top 10 NBA power rankings is the Milwaukee Bucks. Overall record of 29-13. and 13. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, which is why they have slipped just a bit. Um, they are, in the league right now, they're first in points per game. They're averaging 125 points per game, so they're having no issues uh, scoring points, and they're really actually starting to get it going as the season wears on. It's just they had a, they've had an up-and-down past week, so uh, that's why they fell down a bit in the rankings. Then at number five on my top 10 NBA power rankings of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Overall, <coughs> overall record of 30 and 12. Uh, they are six and four in their last 10 games. Uh, they did lose to Oklahoma City this week, so that was pretty much their big loss of the week. But other than that, the Timberwolves are pretty much uh, looking pretty solid with uh, Gobert and Cat and, uh, and Ant. They are really actually. They, they haven't lost a step for the most part. They are, they've been right there with Denver. They've been right there with Boston. They've been right there with the 76ers. They really have been at the top of the league all season. And uh, they are at the 30-win mark as well, right there with the, with the Nuggets, their, uh, their division rival. So they're, keep, they're keeping in lockstep with everybody. And uh, so far, they haven't fallen off a bit. So there they are at number five this week. Then at number six on my top 10 NBA power rankings, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Overall record of 29 and 13. They're six and four in their last 10 games, and they are just staying the course. Uh, they look good at, offensively. They are blowing everybody out of the water, and they're playing great on the defensive side of things as well. This team has not let up. It looks like that this team is probably going to be in it for the long haul. I, I always hesitate to say those kind of things because the second half is where it really gets going. But it, it's looking like the, the Oklahoma City Thunder are a good team. And they're going to stick around here and uh, maybe make things a little bit interesting come playoff time. But uh, they did have a little bit of an up and down week here. But other than that, they are pretty much staying the course. Then at number seven on my top 10 NBA power rankings, the Los Angeles Clip- Clippers. Overall record of 27 and 14. They are 8 and 2 in their last 10 games. Uh, they are actually first in three point percentage right now, lo- knocking down 40% of their shots from three point range. So that is. Pretty fucking crazy, but uh, also not shocking. I mean, as I continue to say, there's no surprise that this team is going to score a lot of points. It's just what's going to happen come playoff time. Are we going to see any injuries from these old-ass dudes on their team? 
Um, and also, they're the Clippers, so we can't believe in them until they actually do something. But uh, 40% on the three-point percentage, that's uh, that's pretty goddamn good. And uh, they're playing well right now. And uh, they're, they're top of their, uh, their division right now as well. Uh, but I still don't think they're... I think their uh, lack of defense is going to uh, cost them here uh, once we get uh, more towards the end of the season. Then at number eight on my top 10 NBA power rankings of the New Orleans Pelicans, overall record of 25 and 18. They're six and four in their last 10 games. And it's really just been an up and down week for them, which is why they fell back just a bit. But I mean, overall, this team is really knocking that out of the park. Zion Williamson uh, has not got injured yet and is playing fantastic. He's averaging 22 points per game, six rebounds per game, five assists per game, knocking down 59% of his field goals. So he's actually having a very accurate uh, year so far and really dominating the paint. And uh, he's been a huge, huge force and seems to be getting better as the season wears on. Uh, so it would be really nice to see what he's got for a, an entire season and hopefully he's able to stay healthy and uh, as long as he stays healthy, I think this Pelicans team is really in it uh, for the long haul. Then at number nine on my top 10 NBA power rankings at the Phoenix Suns, overall record of 24 and 18. We have yet to talk about the Phoenix Suns yet because they have taken a while to, to gel. And I think one of the reasons why we are now talking about them and why they are hot is because they finally got Bradley Beal back and healthy and in the lineup and scoring some points. They are currently on a five-game winning streak and 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. And they got some big wins this past week against the Sacramento Kings in a crazy uh, comeback win with Kevin Durant scoring the, scoring the game-winning field goals. And then uh, they also beat the Indiana Pacers as well over the weekend. Uh, so they got some big wins this past week. Kevin Durant's averaging 29 points per game, so having another phenomenal season. Devin Booker's right behind him, averaging 27 points per game. These two look unstoppable, but like I said, now that they got Bradley Beal back and he looks to be finally healthy, this team is starting to heat up. They're starting to beat some really good teams, and uh, I would watch out for them. I was, I've been kind of looking at them just because I know they're capable of scoring a lot of points. It's really just going to be the de defense is what's going to be their downfall. But, I mean, as long as you've got KD and Booker throwing up all these points and then you've got Beal out there who's also capable of scoring 40 points, I don't know, man. It's going to be real difficult to keep up with them. But their defense is probably going to be an issue as the season wears on. And then rounding out the top 10 NBA power rankings this week, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers over our record of 25 and 15. They are currently on a seven-game winning streak and eight and two in their last 10 games. That is why we are finally discussing them this season. As a matter of fact, I, I kind of had high hopes for the Cavaliers just because they were coming off of a good year last year. Uh, it looked like everything was clicking on all cylinders with uh, Donovan Mitchell. And this season has been flat for them. Uh, they have had to deal with some injuries to some key players. Uh, but uh, now they seem to be on a roll. Like I said, they're on a seven-game winning streak, so that's good. Uh, they did beat M Milwaukee, uh, and they kicked their ass, too. It wasn't just a close matchup. It was an ass-kicking uh, that they delivered to Milwaukee earlier in the week. And then Donovan Mitchell is, is getting back to being Donovan Mitchell. He's averaging 20 po 28 points per game. Uh, but what really is uh, is helping them on this win streak is their defense. And uh, that's that's what I've always found impressive about this team, last year at least, is that they could score a lot of points. They, they had a lot of young dudes surrounding Mitchell, and then their defense is pretty solid. And uh, this year, it's getting better, and that's why they're, they're on this seven-game winning streak because they're getting good, good defense from all their dudes, and they're definitely going to need it because they got some big cats 
in the uh, the Eastern Conference that they're going to have to go up if they're going to end up facing somebody in the uh, in the uh, in the the playoffs. And it's kind of funny too because over the last I'm going to say two three weeks we've been hearing that there's a possibility that the uh, Cavaliers were going to blow this up and trade away Donovan Mitchell. And I'm just sitting back thinking like why. Why would you want to trade away Donovan Mitchell? The dude showed that uh, he's worthy of uh, carrying this team. Why would you want to at least not give it a go for the rest of this season? I don't, I don't know. That's just that, that is Cavaliers mindset, I guess you would say. But so far, it, it seems they're on a, a nice little streak here, and I don't think that's actually going to happen. And it shouldn't happen, in my opinion. You got to give this this team a chance, especially because they are young. Um, so you can't expect. NBA Finals from this young of a team, and they—they, they, I feel like they still need a piece or two uh, to become a championship level team. But uh, you don't want to be trading away Donovan Mitchell. That guy is a beast, and uh, he—if he—he goes somewhere else, he's going to be a huge asset to whoever he goes to. But being a huge asset to the Cavaliers, and I don't think they're going to trade him away. I kind of sounded like that might have been rumors, just because they were on the downside of things. But now that they're on a seven-game winning streak, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case here. Um, over the next couple of weeks, because the trade deadline is February 8th. So uh, the next two, was it, two, three weeks? The next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing a lot of trade rumors. We're actually going to see some trades happen, but uh, I don't think it should be Donovan Mitchell, especially now that they're the Cavaliers are playing pretty damn good right now. And then uh, it was just uh, something random I was looking at on this day. Uh, I don't usually do uh, on this day recaps, but... Uh, since Kobe Bryant was my favorite basketball player and this is my show, I'm, of course, going to do it on this day. And uh, on this day, January 22nd of 2006, yes, 18 freaking years ago, Kobe Bryant dropped 81 points in a Los Angeles Lakers win, 122-104 to 104 over the Toronto Raptors. And it is the second most points scored ever by a, a player alone. Of course, uh, Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points uh, back in his day. So Kobe dropping 81 was a big freaking deal, and that was the first time that it happened since, God, Wilt Chamberlain did it before there was even TV. Uh, so it was like a million years in between uh, that 100-point game and Kobe's 81-point game, so that just goes to show you how rare it was. But it was typical Kobe freaking Bryant, and uh, the Lakers trailed actually by 14 at the half, and this was just a terrible-ass game. Actually was listening to it on uh, Sirius Radio because it was against the Raptors, so it wasn't like a marquee game. It wasn't a, a big matchup, and uh, I had it on, and then I just kind of I turned it off at halftime. I was like, "This is just terrible." And then I, I happened to have like ESPN on, and I could see on the ticker that uh, all of a sudden Kobe Bryant's just scoring and scoring, and I could just see his points going up and up and up, and suddenly he gets to like forty points, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I better I better turn this game back on," and so. Uh, Basically, Kobe Bryant just took over this game. He was like, uh, not only do I not want to lose, but I'm going to just go ahead and do this all myself if nobody else is going to step it up. So in the second half, Kobe Bryant would go off and score 55 points total in the second half. As a matter of fact, in the final nine minutes, he would score 23 freaking points to end up with 81 total points. And like I said, they were down at 14. So it's not like these points were just stupid points and uh, he was just throwing up shots actually no he was on point and like I said Lakers down he needed to, to make a move that's what I loved about Kobe was his killer fucking instinct he didn't care <clears throat> if the rest of his team wasn't going to step up he was just going to keep throwing up shots and he didn't care if you had the entire uh team 
opposing team guarding him. He was still going to throw up the shots, whether you liked it or not. And most people complained about it back then. Kind of hilarious now how uh, Steph Curry, nobody complains about how many shots that dude throws up. As a matter of fact, everybody loves it, myself included. But I just find it amusing how that narrative has changed. Kobe was super selfish, blah, blah, blah. But he did drop 81 points, and nobody has done that yet um, to this day. Uh, but even though he he went off, you know, we were down 14. So he made us, we, we got the win. We came back. He had a huge second half, 55-point second half. Made a big deal in the fourth final nine minutes where you need to get the win because it was close. It wasn't like, uh, you know, the Lakers went down 18 in the third quarter. That was when I actually turned it off. I was like, fuck this. They ain't going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, Kobe turned it on and went off, of course. And But, I mean, it wasn't just him throwing up shots. He actually had a great statistic night outside of the 81 points. He shot 28 for 46, which is 60.9%, uh, 7 for 13 from the three-point line, and 18 for 20 on the free-throw line. So he was money every which way. He was making some great shots. Uh, he was actually getting some good assists as well, even though it felt like he was doing everything that the rest of the team around him was, was making sure to get the ball to Kobe. And it was just crazy to watch him just – all of a sudden, he's got 40 points. All of a sudden, he's got 45. Then he's got 50. Then he's got 55. And you're just like, holy shit, is this dude ever going to stop? He gets to like 70. And we're like, oh, my God. And then he gets to 81 and ends the night. And it was just such a memorable night. And not only was that a memorable night, but he actually had a 13-game span in that point of time where he would score 551 total points. You know, there was a game he had against the Mavs where he scored, I think, 55, 60 points, something like that. Then, of course, this 81-point game, he just went on this huge run, uh, where he, and he had to because at this point, uh, this was a bad Lakers team. As a matter of fact, I think they barely made the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs this season. I, I, yeah, it was they, they barely made the playoffs, and I remember they lost to the Phoenix Suns, I believe, in the first round, um, where uh, the one game, I think they lost – Four to one in the series, if I seem to recall. I could be thinking of another year, but I know they faced the Phoenix Suns. They lost the series four to one. As a matter of fact, the only one win they got was a huge game-winning play, of course, by Kobe. But uh, this 2016, they were terrible. Um, they didn't have Pau Gasol just yet, so they were still finding their way, and they just really needed Kobe to do everything. And uh, they just were a very mediocre team, and this 81-point uh, game was pretty much the only highlight of a very, very long 2006 season. But on this day back in 2006, Kobe dropped 81 points, and I just had to relive it because it is one of my favorite Kobe moments of all time, and I miss watching him play basketball. That is for damn sure. So had to relive that moment. Enjoy the rest of the week of sports, and I will talk to you fools on Friday.